What's up, guys? It's your boy Gusnov back at it again with another episode of the Gusnov Show. Okay, I have an idea about how to, or a good, I think, strategy for the United States. And I think, I don't know, I've been learning a little bit about, how would you say it? global politics and I guess just international sociology and stuff like that. And I think I have, I have enough little facts and little bits of information and knowledge to come up with an interesting plan of what I think would be the best game plan for the United States or the next 50 years or something like that. Uh, And it's probably, you know, it's probably a little out there, but I think that there's some value in it. There's definitely value in it. I think, well, yeah, I think one of the things with the United States is that everyone, although, you know, the, the neoliberals, they, they never really, everything is a half measure, you know, because I guess in the way that our, our government system is set up there's two problems. One, well, I don't think it, it might not really be a problem, but one of the features is that everything is kind of, everything that gets passed as a half measure is kind of limp and, you know, like kind of not really, not, you know, it's not really the the best implementation of what should be done, I think, because, you know, it's a, it's a compromise between like a bunch of different interest groups and such, you know, that's democratically chosen. But I also think that there's there tends to be like this democratic creep where you have, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of ideological radicals that slowly start, you know, pushing the Overton window further and further and further to one side. And in this case, it's the, you know, it's the left. But anyway, that's 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 kind of a I mean, I mean, and obviously, you know, like the 1950s are way different than they are now. So uh, socioculturally, politically and all that, you know, and I think that it's just because, you know, you have some people with like deep seated ideology that, you know, sometimes they get their voices heard. And when that happens, you know, every once in a while, it slowly pushes the window further and further. Anyway, so. Let's let's get to the point. Let's get to the the thought. So the way that it looks, the way that the current system, the way that it works, the way that that looks, it seems to me like every time you have a a major civilization rising up or maybe not rising up, but once they get to a place of power, it seems to me like most civilizations end up relying heavily on the work the society needs to get done. They end up relying on a, a cheap and expendable labor force. And... And I think industrialization, you know, mitigates that a little bit. It can mitigate that, you know, you can have people who are 
you know, expensive doing a lot more work with some machines, you know, and it, 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 the economics works out. But I think that it seems like it always ends up reverting to, you know, the cheaper the labor and the more skilled the labor for the dog, you know, there's two things you need to, you, you look at with, with your labor force. You look at how cheap it is and you look at how skilled it is. And if you can get really skilled labor for really cheap, that will always be preferred over someone who's skilled but expensive, you know. And this is why for the last few decades, the United States has been exporting their, you know, not exporting, but, but getting their labor from, you know, third world countries. And this is why I guess China has been a huge you know, supplier of manufacturing. It's because for the longest time, Chinese labor was plentiful. You know, there's, there's, I think the Chinese, China might be the most populous or the second most populous country in the entire world. For now, its population is collapsing, but that's another story. But China had the biggest population and really abysmal standards of living, right? So, and very smart people. So, the labor, skilled, cheap, and plentiful. So that's why I guess China became like an economic powerhouse. And many other third world nations and, you know, South, Southeast Asian manufacturing hubs also stemmed from that, you know, baseline fact that they have skilled and very cheap labor. But the way that it looks right now, what it looks like right now is that China's, you know, unique, the benefit of China being, you know, a very strong place to get labor from, it seems to me like that's kind of fading away. And Chinese labor is going to be, well, in the, right now, I think it's more expensive and not as skilled as, as, as other sources of labor. And I think that the, the, new, the new labor pool that the United States is beginning to spec into is, the, is Mexican, Mexican labor. I think, I'm not sure what the precise statistic is, but I think like Mexican labor is like three times as skilled as like Chinese labor or so, something like that. You know, it's more skilled than Chinese labor and it's cheaper than Chinese labor. So given this fact, given this fact, I think that relying on Mexican labor is going to be a staple for United States foreign policy going forward in the future. And I think that if this is true, we need to probably go all in on this because – Mexican labor, it's, 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 it has the, the benefit of being right next to us, right? Chinese labor, it's across like several thousand miles of Pacific Ocean and you need an entire global supply chain to like just get it working. But if we rely on, his, on Mexican labor, I think we're in a much better spot because, you know, it, we don't need to have this extended bloated supply chain and there are neighbors and – you know, the economics is better. And 
this is actually why a lot of corporations right now are, you know, pushing for immigration so hard. I think one of the reasons is due to the, you know, the, the misguided globalist idea that, you know, uh, our, our Western countries are decreasing in population and we need to, in, to encourage GDP growth. So we just need to encourage mass immigration from, you know, third world nations with, with high population growth rates, right? That's why, it, that's one of the reasons why immigration is being so, you know, pushed so hard. But the other reason is due to the economics, right? Mexican labor, skilled and cheap. It's very skilled and very cheap. And I think that right now, a lot of corporations and just, you know, the, the ruling class, it says, you know what, we have an amazing opportunity here. Because if we can like get a bunch of illegal immigrant immigrants into the United States, we can essentially, you know, y you can essentially have a powerless working class that can be removed and, you know, manipulated at your whim, right? If you have a bunch of illegal immigrants who are doing work for you, right? You have this law that you're dangling above their head that, which is, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not stepping in line, if you're not doing what you're told, if you're not working for cheap, if you're, you're you know, if you're not breaking your back for, for nothing, then we're going to, you know, deport you. And this, this is like a fact. This is, this has been like, this is like an, this has been well documented that, that this is like a, you know, this is how a lot of companies and, and how a lot of our economy works. You know, we're relying on, you know, this underground labor market because of just the power disparity and the fact that it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a great labor pool. And I'd say it's, it's pretty immoral. I, I don't, I don't, I think that it's a pretty, it's very, it's not a good thing, but it's that's what's being done right now and what i would propose i pr i think that i think that this system we have it's unsustainable and it's stupid and it's immoral and it's just bad for you know the only people it really benefits is the ruling class and i think that we should really what, what what's better you know isn't an unsustainable flow of immigration you know that's that's justified on like shaky economic grounds you know, and it's not, you know, you know, manip not manipulating, but exploiting, you know, a, a powerless, you know, a powerless group of people with the threat of, you know, legal ram, you know, not legal ramifications, but, you know, a, a legal sword of Damocles stand, uh, right above their head. I think that that's not, that's not the right thing, you know, for, so I think what's better is if we start as the United States acting a lot more like the Roman Empire and stop, you know, saying, you know, what, we're going to we like, OK, well, let, let me let me let, let's step back one second. For the, for the longest time, I think the United States has done a pretty. I mean, we have a great military, we've had great strategy, you know, we've been able to conquer a lot of the world. But I'd say our statescraft and our assumptions about the world and the way that we actually, you know, sp spread our influence 
is, I mean, kind of abysmal. Look at Afghanistan. Afghanistan is the prime example, right? What did we do there? What the hell did we do in Afghanistan? And, and what were the assumptions that we, we what, are, what have been the assumptions that we, we do or we have when we go in, into doing foreign policy? It's, oh, we're going to go in there and we're going to spread democracy. We're going to spread democracy. It's like you're completely ignoring what their culture is, you know, what systems <coughs> are best suited for the cultural institutions that they have. And it's, it's just, it's like, it's, it's this, you know, 1960s hippie idealism about, oh, democracy and freedom and da, da, da. It's like, it, it completely ignores the, the, the complex human cultural, cultural element of these societies. And <clears throat> you have a bunch of these hippie boomer con- congressmen who think that, you know what, if we just go into these foreign countries, we just spread this utopian democracy, everyone's just going to accept it. And then we're just going to have a a global utopia. But it's like, no, that's not how this stuff works. That's not how this stuff works at all. And I feel like we need to be a little more, you know, if if we're going to conquer places, we can't be, you know, all hippie dippy about it. We can't be like a world policeman where we're just, you know, we're being, we're being superheroes. We're spreading democracy. It's like, no, what do we care about? We should care about, one, raising the standard of living of people in the United States, number one. And I think we, are, we already do that with our foreign policy to an extent. But we should also be raising the standard of living of people within those countries, two, while, you know, while acknowledging their cultures. And I think that we need to be you know, I think we should take a page from the Roman rule book. And I think we need to be explicitly conquerors and explicitly, you know, I don't know if imperialist would be the right word, but you know, something like that. It can't be, oh, we're just going to go there and we're going to leave a military base and then we're going to let you figure it out. It's like, no, I feel like we should be imposing authority and rule over different countries. And you know, having them as basically puppet vassal states to the United States, where we control them, and then we have them, you know, do labor for us and da 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 da, right? Because I think there's two, there's two systems that I think work, you know, there's the Roman system, which is good. And and then there's the city state system, which is like, kind of what Europe has, right now, where you have like a bunch of small autonomous countries, that are more or less isolationist, but, you know, trade with others and act on like a, you know, have good foreign policy and all that stuff. And they're very diplomatic. Like the city state model. I think that's good. I like that. I like that. And that's how the United States was for the longest time. The United States was a small little nation. Yeah. Like a, like a nation state, I'd say something like that. But I think right now the United States is rising into a new stage of its history. Namely, it's becoming the new Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire isn't just a little nation state. It's this massive imperialist, I guess, conqueror state. And I think the United States has been, you know, trying to keep one of their foots, one of their feet in the, in the, 
in the nation state category and one of them in the conqueror state category. And they've tried, they've tried to be both, you know, but I don't think that's, I don't think you can do that anymore. I think the United States has to, you know, go all in on the Roman side of things. And how does that look? I think that the way that looks is that as the United States, we need to start imposing our authority and control over a lot more countries. We need to start bringing them into the fold and we need to start being a lot more, I guess, how would you say it? I don't know, maybe nationalistic about how, about what we want for our people. You know, we want to have, ensure that our people have the best lives they can. And it's not about, oh, we want to ha- make everyone have da-da-da-da. You know, we, we want to, well, I don't know. That, yeah, anyway, we, we've got to make sure that we are, you know, extremely clear on what we want. And we need to be willing to use our power to achieve our goals. Anyway, so that's that's a lot of that's a good preamble for what I, what I'm trying to trying to get to. So I feel like one one good thing that we could do because you know because of the lot the loss of value in South or East East Asian labor, I think we need to start specking into. South American and Central American labor, labor markets. And I think that we need to start exerting a lot more control over Mexico and other other nations. And we need to use them as, you know, because right now, you know, they're, they're, they're a manufacturing base for a lot of what we have. And, you know, we have a trading agreement or whatever. But I think that we need to start, you know, they shouldn't they should they should be more of a puppet state to the United States a far more of a puppet state to the United States than than what the United States is currently using them as and maybe that that requires us to i don't know somehow pseudo take over control take over mexico or something else but i feel like i think i think one of the the failure in the United States' foreign policy with, with Mexico is most clearly shown in the fact that cartels have, you know, emerged in the way that they have today. And I think that... The fact that the United States has, you know, to, to a large extent, allowed for cartels to you know, gain all this power and they've done basically nothing to stop them has shown that our system doesn't work. And I think what we should be doing is we should probably wage an all out war on the cartels. And we need to ensure that, you know, that gangster state, you know, is crushed. And I think the way that you do that is you legalize all drugs in the United States, something like that, you know. I mean, we, we had we had most drug, we had, I think all drugs were basically legal for most of United States history, like up until the early 20th century. I mean, Freud did cocaine all the time. You know, I think a Pope did cocaine too. Um, anyway, but like, that should be i think we should we should allow for drugs 
and we need to essentially take away the black market power that the cartel has. And once we do that, we should also probably stage like an all-out military campaign on these cartels. And if Mexico's like, oh, you can't do this, like we got to say, screw you, we're, we're doing this. And then we just got to, you know, we got to wipe out the cartels. And then from the, you know, the new stability that that will, well, instability, I'd say temporary instability that that will cause the region because, you know, the cartels are right now, they're, they're giving stability to the region to an extent, you know, some sort of authoritarian stability, but a stability by fear, you know, so they're like dictators, but regardless, you know, I think we should take up as much authority from Mexico and all these other nations that we end up, you know, invading, pseudo invading or conducting military campaigns and, and, you know, imposing, imposing American, you know, governmental dominance on them. And in doing so, I think that it would be great if after that, after we have our foot in the door, after we, you know, basically control those countries, we should establish them as our industrial center, as the American industrial center. We should like hyper-industrialize Mexico and other Central American areas. And we should use that as, as our, our, you know, our industrial base. And and I think the over the next hundred years, the main the main vision of what you know the United States will be doing, I think, is I think we're going to be looking up to the stars and trying to colonize or begin interplanetary or just extraterrestrial colonization. And, I, and the United States is going to be at the forefront of that. And I think that by having a, a strong Central American industrial base, by, you know, taking the reins of, of the global industrial center from China and putting it back into our hands, we're going to have the economic might to do that again. And it'll allow us to, you know, colonize space to a to a degree that is basically impossible right now. And then also, I think we could work towards minimizing human environmental degra degradation and pollution. And China, India, the third world, they're not doing anything to really help that. The only people who are helping that is the United States. So if you're an environmentalist, then we should be, you know, yanking the reins away from, from China and their industrial power, the industrial power they have right now and putting it into, you know, the 
the Amer- putting that power back into the American continent. Because if we don't, then they're going to just keep polluting. They're going to keep, you know, screwing everything up. And, you know, all of your rosy, uh, your rose-tinted glasses about, oh, we need to just do this. And this, and this. It's, it, you're getting nowhere unless you have the foreign policy element on it. So I guess another thing. I think it would be very interesting if we pitted corporations against the cartels. That'd be really, really cool, you know. Because corporations, they have, they have their incentive. You know, if if we had like big drug corporations, you know, that were specialized in like meth and heroin and cocaine and stuff like that, and you had the United States basically give them a a letter of mark or something like that, you know, like, a, like they gave to pirates in the 1600s, like, oh, yeah, you, we're gonna, or 1600s, 1700s, all that stuff, whatever. Give corporations a letter of mark to take out the cartels and stuff like that and say, you know what, we, we're gonna let you, you know, have monopolies over drug production. You just need to take over, over out the cartels or something. That could be a cool way to do it. It could be a very cool way to do it. Imagine, imagine that, like Monsanto and Pfizer and all these drug companies and whatever fighting against cartels. I don't know how realistic that is, but it would be a good book at the very least. It would be a very good book, I think. But I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a foreign policy expert in this. I've just been rambling about my thoughts on this, but I think there's definitely something in here. And I feel like if the United States were to do what I'm doing instead of what it's it's doing right now with the we're just gonna put bases all over the world for no reason. I don't know. It just seems to me to be ugh, it's stupid. It's bloated. A system that's bloated. A system that that is you know too overextended and just uh, how would you say it? You know, it's hard to maintain, hard to keep control over. Is a system that I don't think is is a is a sustainable one. And I think, you know, I think I think having a manufacturing base in Central and South America, and an agricultural base too. You know, if we if we go back to the nineteen thirties way of doing things. I think that's that would be way better than our current system of relying on Asia and a a massive global network of shipping lanes. I feel like if we, you know, because because that's why we have military bases all over, you know, especially in the Pacific, because we need to we need to ensure that we have our access to our industrial base in Asia, and the only way that we ensure that you know that works is that we have a a massive navy that patrols the waters and, you know, basically imposes force on keeping the peace of these shipping lanes. And I'd say that the more we do that, the more, you know, this is why our, this is one of the reasons why our military budget is so inflated. It's because we need this, you know, we need our navies and we need our military to be able to, you know, impose force on these, this bloated network. And I think that if we just decrease the size of the network, and we make it kind of more local and we make it in a in a way that, you know, some something that doesn't require, you know, 
most of our GDP to maintain. Like, imagine the economic productivity that would come from that, you know? And plus, plus like, <laughs> wouldn't it be a lot better if you, you know, relied on, like, a like an amazing rail network and just, you know, like a, you know, a real network that stemmed from, like, South America to North America for your trade rather than some sort of, you know, bloated shipping network where blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe this is naive. I don't think it is, though. I think, I think, I think it would be, I think it would be nice. I think it would be nice. It would be like a Hello Kitty Wonderland. It would be like a little kawaii anime. Anyway. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. DM me on Gusnov if you have any thoughts on this. DM me on Gusnov if you think I'm unhinged and insane. Email me at quantumsnov at gmail.com because I'm dying to know what you think of this, what the uh, the future foreign policy leaders and congressmen listening to this podcast will say about these plans. And let me know if I've influenced you, influenced your decisions on what you're going to do as the president of the United States in the future. <laughs>